It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up on this edition of Locked On Wizards, it's election day, so we're having our own negotiations and campaigning around the NBA start December versus January, looking at three major focal points, the finances, the schedule and the players to figure out which makes most sense. Now, of course, we're just speculating the league will make and have the final decision, but looking at the three major topics at hand, the three major issues, finances, schedule and the players, Yes or no to December 22nd. We're getting into those details right here on Locked on Wizards. You are Locked on Wizards, your daily Washington Wizards podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Happy Election Day. Welcome to another edition of Locked on Wizards. I'm your host, Renee Washington. Excited to be able to break down all the details around the proposed NBA start for next year, the information at hand that we know of right now, and all the different factors. I broke it down actually into three major areas. So since it is Election Day, in honor of the fact that so many of us are exercising our rights to vote, I actually want to get your vote and your thoughts on the NBA start for December 22nd. So there are three major factors, three major issues at hand, the finances, the schedule, and the players. They are all very intertwined. You can't fully separate any of these variables without considering the other. But looking at these three isolated, I am interested to know your thoughts, your votes, and just to give you some insight on details you may have missed around these three areas, starting with the finances. Now, again, let me know your thoughts on whether or not the league should start December versus January, or if I have missed a variable, because these are the three major ones I'm highlighting and how they impact the teams, the players, the coaches, the league. So definitely let me know if I'm missing one major variable, because I'm trying to make sure I get hit on all of them. But let's get into the finances first. In the latest discussions of when the league will be starting up for next year, Adam Silver was talking about having the season start back up December 22nd for the financial reason is the fact that if the league does start sooner, the sooner they start, the more revenue that they're able to bring in. So if the league is able to start in December, that will allow them to avoid $500 million to $1 billion in potential losses versus starting in January then you would potentially be losing, as a league, $500 million to $1 billion. So the earlier the season starts, the earlier it allows revenue. Of course, let's, let's think this through. That's ticket sales. That's people that are watching. That's sponsorships. So the more games that are played, the more money. That's something that directly goes hand in hand. More games equals more money. So in looking at the games, if they were to start Martin Luther King Day, which is actually the date that the players are proposing, is that the league waits until January 18th. So 
the players and the league are split. The league is looking to start December 22nd. The players are looking to start January 18th. I'm giving you guys all the facts here so you can make a nice decision on what you think they should do because our decision does matter, of course, right? It's election day. Our vote matters. And maybe not in the NBA, but we can act like it does. So if our vote does matter, I want to give you guys a nice amount of information to let you know which direction you'd be leaning, what your proposed take is, and which aspects matter most to figure out when the NBA should return. We're putting our NBA commissioner hat on right now. So financially, they would be able to save a lot of money by starting sooner and for that December 22nd date. Another aspect of the finances, not only does it affect the league, it also impacts the players. So if the league starts earlier, December 2nd, that would be $500 million more that would be going towards players as well versus mid-January. And something that was just um, that I was reading was saying how 25% of players actually live paycheck to paycheck during um, the pandemic. There are 25% of players in the league that live paycheck to paycheck. I know everybody likes to assume that NBA players got it like that. Well, this is showing not, that is not the case. Some players need to make more, you know, need to work more. Some players cannot afford financially to give up that extra money. That's something I know CJ McCollum, who is one of the union leaders for the league, for the players has been, um, he actually shared those numbers estimating that during COVID 25% of players were living paycheck to paycheck. So some players cannot financially afford for the league to wait until January. So overall, if the season is shortened or the season does not start until January, that's less money in the pockets of everyone, not just the league, the players as well. They also financially would suffer. I know we all talk about the business side of things, myself included, and the fact that the NBA is trying to make sure they're financially protected. Well, if the league starts later, that split revenue for owners, players, the league itself, that impacts everyone's pockets. So in terms of starting Martin Luther King Day, which is January 18th versus December 22nd. That's about a month worth of revenue that is either lost or made. So there are many that may not financially be able to actually commit to this proposed date of a January restart. So as of right now, the major negotiations are between a 72-game season starting on December 22nd versus a potential reduced season even more down to 50 games starting January 18th. There are many reasons behind this, one being the Olympics, which are supposed to, as of now, start mid-July or in July. So looking at the, excuse me, late July, looking at the schedule, you're working between trying to have a Christmas game having the season start December and then be able to complete a season playoffs championships all before the Olympics. And we'll get into more details around the schedule specifically and the details of it, but financial on the financial side of that, that means if you're having a 72 game season, which is still less than 86. So you're that's 14 less games per team that they're all playing, not just 14 less games, 14 less games per team from an 86 game season to 72. 72 to 50, that's a huge difference. A lot of games, a lot of revenue, a lot of tickets, a lot of advertisement spots, a lot of sponsorships that are not being met that normally would. 
So just let that sink in. That's where the financial side really comes into play. And looking at that 500 million to $1 billion number that keeps popping up is the fact that that is the difference between an 86 game regular season to a 72 to a 50. And when you know that, knowing that some players really are financially struggling and living more paycheck to paycheck, especially young players, um, maybe players that aren't as on as big of a contract that they need this. So on the financial side, definitely going to be very interesting because it's like a uh, damned if you do damned if you don't type situation. If the league is starting later, it does give players more time, which could minimize injuries, which could um, have them be more prepared but on the other side, if they start sooner, they'd be able to start making money sooner. Revenue's up. Tickets are up. All the, all the different things are now in place. But on the other side of that is uh, a lot of players have already mentioned that they aren't going to be starting back up. If the season starts December 22nd, they won't be playing. So does the financial side still play a factor in that? Of course, people I'm sure will still be interested in watching. They'll be tuning in. Ratings will be there. Contracts will be in effect because the season will have technically started. But you have to think which makes most sense. Financially right now, as we're looking at it, I think if I had to pick one, the winner is to start the season sooner. Just looking at the finances specifically. So I understand the NBA and Adam Silver looking to start sooner because that December 22nd start versus January 18th from a financial standpoint for families, players, owners, teams, the league as a whole really saves them a lot of money because also you have to keep in mind, this is off of having already one year of financial setbacks around COVID. The league took a big hit. All sports took a big hit in the changes that COVID brought once they had to go even to the NBA restart, all the financial aspects that went into setting that up and creating a bubble and and being able to create these opportunities for them to play safely and have everything needed on site. That's not cheap. So the league itself is already dealing with some financial setbacks around the NBA restart. So I was actually looking up the numbers because I was curious. Now, according to a sports business daily report, the league actually managed to save $1.5 billion in revenue through the restart. The bubble actually allowed them to save a lot of money they would have lost if if the league had shut down altogether. So they minimized the financial damage, but it's still impacted them. COVID-19 definitely definitely still impacted them because of the fact that they lost local and television and television revenue, such as sponsorships. But overall, the amount of money that had to be put in was $180 million to really orchestrate the NBA restart. So if you look overall, they were able to cut to save and cut back on one and a half billion dollars, excuse me, huge difference, billion dollars, but still lost a lot of money. And looking at the the revenue as a whole, owners and players split revenue about 50-50. Numbers were showing that during the time that the league was on pause, the league actually withheld 25% of players' paychecks, which was an increase from their normal 10% in order to make up for the amount of money that they were financially losing. So when you look at the season next year, you know, we don't know how much players will make back from what they lost due to the uh, restart, due to the pause. But overall, the players as a whole, some of them may have definitely had a big hit to their finances. The league definitely did. So the league and the NBA Players Association are trying to figure out a way to financially make up for what was lost 
but also making sure that they're somewhat getting back on track on the financial side. We're still just talking finances. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot that goes into the fact that so much has been impacted through COVID. And for players that are, as mentioned, in that 25% ballpark of those that are living more paycheck to paycheck, for the NBA as a whole, for the owners, for it's, just, it's a business. And people's pockets have to make sure that, or they have to make sure they're figuring out a way to line their pockets and getting the money that they are expected to get. So on the financial side, my vote is to restart December 22nd. Yep, yep. I mean, I get it. COVID has impacted so many people. So if you can find a way to safely return back, get start getting people paid again, why not? But coming up, we've got to get into the impact the proposed dates will have on the schedule. What this means overall, looking bigger picture. Again, there's only 12 months in a year. We are running out of time here. What is this proposed 2020 start on the, in December mean long-term for the NBA? We'll get into that right here on Locked on Wizards. Let me tell you guys about Built Go. Yes, I have told you all about Built Bar, the delicious, tasty protein bars. Well, I want to also tell you about Built Go a new solution, healthy replacement to help you break through those walls of the day, the times where you're tired, where you feel like you can't keep going because work is draining you or your kids are draining you, whatever is going on, you have hit a mental wall. Well, Built Go is a healthy replacement for your energy drink, but the energy is not fake, doesn't lead to a crash, it's last, it's natural, and it's healthy. Now, looking at Built Go, they combine energy gel with collagen protein. So it's fast absorbing, gets into the system quickly, easy on your stomach, loaded with all the good stuff that you need to get your day going and give you that extra boost. It's healthy. It's easy to take in one and a half ounce packages. Nice, easy to carry packages that you can put right into your bag, whether it's your purse, your workout bag. And it's the five hour energy boost without the five hour energy crash. Three delicious flavors. I've tried them myself. Peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, chocolate, mint. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and much better results. I don't think it gets much better than that. You can visit builtgo.com, use promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order. So use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at builtgo.com. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.
Renee Washington here, host of Locked on Wizards. Well, Wizards fans, we are trying to figure out when we'll be able to watch the Wizards and the NBA resume for the start of the new season. A lot of factors at play here as we're looking at the financial side and all the loss already through COVID-19, the hit that the league has taken. Well, now we definitely know there's some financial complications, I should say, depending on when the season starts next. So on the schedule side of things, the league has said if they start on Martin Luther King Day, which is January 18th, that they would have to do a shortened season. Why? Because the Olympics. The Olympics have been pushed back, as we know, and are, as of now, late July 2021. So the 2020 Summer Olympics we saw was pushed back to 2021 in Tokyo. And so because of that, it does change things long term. Now, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver was saying earlier this week that the league is essentially running out of time. Adam Silver was saying that not only on the financial side, but on the schedule side. And he actually was saying, we're running out of time regarding the 20, December 2020 start, excuse me, December 22nd, 2020 start. That's a lot of twos in there. So NBA Players Association Executive Director Michelle Roberts actually was speaking in an interview regarding the potential start of for the next season, saying that, Given all that has to be resolved between now and a December 22nd start, factoring that there will be financial risks by a later start date, it defies common sense that it can all be done in time. Our players deserve the right to have some runway so that they can plan for a start that soon. The overwhelming response from the players that I have received to this proposal has been negative. So I know Adam Silver was saying that we're running out of time. I mean, at the end of the day, it's already November. And we're talking about having the season start in less than, in, in a little over a month, honestly, at this point. It's it's November 3rd, and we're talking about having the league start December 22nd. That's a little over a month away. So schedule-wise, it doesn't fully work to plan between now and then for the league to start up again. Um, we talked about this before. The NBA draft, the NBA offseason, we've got a number of free agents the amount of time for players to be able to rest and recover. And we'll get more into the players in a moment. But looking at the schedule itself on this end of it, heading into the next season, it doesn't give enough time for all that normally goes on in the offseason. Of course, Summer League is out the window. First of all, it's winter, basically. So Summer League is out of the, wind, is out of the picture completely. But as a whole, schedule-wise, what does that mean for the timeline? If we're moving up the start date for the new season, does that also move up the start date for the draft? Does that also move up? I know preseason is supposed to get started December 1st that players are able to start returning back to camp. So what does that mean for everything else? But I did see this past week that the NBA actually has started allowing teams to start working out. So facilities are open. They can start doing group workouts. And that is very encouraging because it now allows teams to start to work back and figure out what their team's going to look like. I mean, we're talking about them starting games in a little over a month, which means it's time to get back on the court and figure things out. So I know I saw right before Halloween the news that all 30 teams can now have open practice facilities for group practices, workouts, scrimmages, and they're able to have up to 10 players. So the other side of that is players do have to be tested every day for COVID. And they have to return a negative test each time in order to be able to participate in the workouts, which makes complete sense. Now, for teams that have not been playing and did not go as far, um, 
specifically those elite eight that did not make it into the bubble at all or delete eight, whatever you want to call them, that did not make it into the bubble at all at all. This is great, as well as for teams like the Wizards that have not had a chance to really play as a team since being sent home from Orlando. You know, you think about those teams that went farther into the playoffs and definitely a team like the Lakers and the Heat, you know, this time is is different for them. So now everybody's on a different recovery schedule. And again, we'll get more into the play the players specifically later on in the show, but looking schedule wise, this does allow for teams to have a chance to be able to have a a few weeks that they're actually able to work out, get back into the, some sort of routine and schedule. I mean, outside of a couple weeks near the end of September, beginning of October, players have not really been able to work out as, as they should. So with the latest news that they are able to have, you know, 10 players in the building at once, although it's not the entire team and the entire staff, it does at least, at least at the bare minimum, allow for a chance to get back to somewhat of a normal routine. So I do think that looking at teams like the Wizards that have to figure things out this offseason, it's important that you're taking a good look at the picks that are coming in, you know, which, which players you're picking in a draft, which, which free agency players and offseason moves you're making as well as any decisions to move, trade, you know, whatever it may be, uh, move some current players. This also is an opportunity for that, just to kind of go back and evaluate players and have a chance to see where they are right now. But on the other end of this, when we look at the playoffs and the championship, in terms of the schedule, this does mess things up for the Olympics. So let me just backtrack. We're talking about having the longest season ever that just ended this past October. Then the players have a couple of months and the league has a couple months before resuming in December. Then the league would play a 72 game regular season prior to playoffs and then playoffs. And then from there would get into the Olympics for those players that are, that are representing their countries to now go right into the Olympics. So then turn around and after the Olympics, I'm assuming the schedule for the NBA would be back on track with a a normal summer league next year and having an October start as we've seen, you know, in previous years, that's a lot. Holy smokes. That's a lot of basketball with not a lot of breaks. So the schedule itself and looking at a December 22nd start means a 72 game season. There also have been some reports about having some sort of play in game. So You know, that is something that we saw work really well, I thought, in the NBA restart. So I think for teams like the Wizards, teams like um, right there, those teams that are right on the bubble, that are on the cusp of trying to get into a postseason, on the cusp of trying to get a playoff spot, but just can't seem to crack the top eight, at least would give them a chance to have some sort of a postseason. So one of the ideas is to have a play-in tournament. And we talked about this before. I definitely suggested this idea, by the way. But a tournament where the number seven team plays the number eight team. The winner plays the um, advances to play the winner of the game between the number nine and ten seed. And they kind of have their own tournament. I was saying seven versus ten, eight versus nine. But this proposed tournament would actually be seven versus eight and nine versus ten. And then you would have the opportunity for those teams to kind of figure out who's going to get that seven and eight seed. Now, the thing that the NBA is looking at is just the winning percentage and comparing how far apart seven, eight, nine, and 10 are. So a team that is 
seven and a half games ahead in the standings probably would not have to play in the playing games. It'd be similar to what we saw with this past restart where the Grizzlies and the Trailblazers played each other because they were right there a game apart. So I like the idea of also having stipulations in there. I don't think it always makes sense. Like if the 10 seed is 10 games back, I don't think it makes sense to have them have an opportunity to be a part of the play-in tournament. But for teams that were right there and just missed out, I do think it's an extra oomph of encouragement and motivation to have a chance to at least get into a play-in tournament, extend your season, and go from there. Now, what the play-in tournament looks like, is it just one game? I think it should be. You get one game, you get one chance to win and move on. That is it. I wouldn't do like a best of five or seven or anything like that because first of all, they're already running out of time as is, but also I think it would just drag, it would drag that series out into, um, to the point that it'd be almost too much. So coming up, we do have to get into the players. The, the biggest variable schedule wise, 72 game season versus a 50 game season. Ugh. Just looking at the games. I actually think a 50 game season makes most sense. I hate, I hate to say it. So for the first one, I, financially, I thought it makes sense to have the league return from the financial perspective, from the scheduling perspective. I actually think a 50 game season makes more sense. I know that Jared Dudley of the Lakers was saying like a, he tweeted out can't play 50 games. That's a hard no for the players has to be a minimum of 72. The real question is what changed in a week? The league kept saying January, January, Everybody knew how big Christmas was and Olympics being late July months ago. TV just mentioned it now because a tweet did come out saying that a 50 game season would reduce. And I'm literally reading what it says. A 50 game season would reduce player salaries significantly in the next season since the NBA pay adheres to a regular season schedule. The NBA 72 game model calls for teams to play roughly 14 games a month through May, followed by the playoffs through mid July before the Olympics begin. So what Dudley is saying is what has changed and why is this just coming out now? I don't know. That's my question too. Where were these conversations a month ago, two months ago? The NBA knew this was going to happen. They knew that there was going to have to be a plan in place for the next season. We had heard them talking about it, but it seems like nothing was really discussed upon because we kept hearing January, February, and honestly March. And now all of a sudden it's Christmas. That's a huge, we're not talking like one or two days, one or two weeks. We're talking months, one or two months difference. That's a big change. So I actually think from a financial side, players, the league owners cannot afford a 50 game season. I don't think it would financially benefit anyone when we talk about the amount of financial loss, but I think physically and mentally to have the season start in January, let's say mid-January let's say that date of January 18th for Martin Luther King day is when the league starts. Now they have a 50 game season and it gives them more time off. So that'll, that's definitely something we will continue to talk about around the players. So from a scheduling side, I actually think less, I know we want to see more basketball. I know we want to see 72 games in the regular season, but I think for the player's sake, playing less actually gives them time to recover, to have an off season so now tr- instead of trying to get back for December 22nd, it gives them an, nearly an extra month. And then on the other side, when they do have to jump right into the Olympics, at least those players that are representing their countries in the Olympics have had a chance to kind of rest. So when we're looking at overall for the league, for teams that have not had a chance to play, and even for teams that were not in the bubble or not in the playoffs, those teams haven't had a chance to work out. You know, you look at the Wizards who, yes, they were in the bubble, they were playing up until the playoffs, 
But once sent home, they weren't able to continue working out and, and having group workouts like they are now. It's Things have just opened up October 30th. So when you look at the fact that they haven't had a chance to work out as a team in groups in their in the gym together, it doesn't matter that they weren't playing and they might be fit, more physically rested if they haven't had a chance to work out as a team. They're behind the eight ball for a whole different reason. So it's a great segue into what it means for the players. So from the schedule side, I actually think it makes sense, in my opinion, more on the 50-game side. I know what that means financially, but that's – if I'm just looking at the schedule, I'm going with a 50-game season starting January 18th. So let's get into the players. So coming up, we'll talk more around what this all means for the players, for their recovery, all that and more here on Locked on Wizards. This is Jake from Locked on. Locked on has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we've talked about two major variables in looking at the financial side of things as well as the schedule and the timeline being that we are running out of time. We are running out of enough days and hours in the day, I should say, for the NBA. As Adam Silver has said, we're running out of time, which we definitely are because depending on when the NBA starts, we're kind of back, the league is back into a hole with the Olympics in late July. Now, looking from the player standpoint, so much to consider. You know, and, and, and the fact that, first of all, you have 
a large group of players and teams that were in the bubble. And that's something that's been said is just the mental drain, not only the physical, but the mental wear of being in the bubble for, for months away from your family, friends, loved ones, a normal schedule, being quarantined within the bubble. Yes, they're playing basketball, but it wasn't a normal routine and schedule like they would have at home. So when you think about the mental effects and impacts of being in the bubble for that long, not only do they have to physically recover, but they mentally need to. It's mentally draining for those that stayed there for months. And then the fact that you do have players, like I know Dana Green has been openly speaking up on his thoughts around the NBA's start for next season. And he had this, this piece he was saying, just to sum it up for you, he was saying, you know, if most for most guys, if they're starting in December, they're not going to be there. You know, a lot of guys, especially looking at the Lakers teams, a team like the Lakers, where you have a lot of vets, you have a lot of older guys, you've got Rondo who's in, heading into year 15, Dwight into year 17, LeBron into year 18, including 10 years going to the finals in his first 17 seasons. It's completely mentally draining. And so it's straining to do that and to have that quick of a restart, he said, I wouldn't expect to see him there. And that's what we were talking about earlier on the show. Those types of players, the vets that are going into the later part of their career to have this quick turnaround doesn't physically work for them. I even was saying players that are injured. You look at someone like Bradley Beal and John Wall, you know, as much as they are working to get back and, and they were saying, Tommy Shepard was saying back in July, they're going to be ready come October, come November. But are they though? I mean, you look at, it's one thing to be ready to start working out for preseason. It's another thing to be ready to jump into a full season. So I do think that for some players, it would just be kind of a, a recipe for disaster to expect them to turn around and play so quickly or for those that have not been playing that have been injured to just jump back in. You know, if you're looking at someone like John Wall, who's been dealing with injuries the last couple of years and Bradley Beal is coming off of a, a shoulder injury, they haven't been fully playing. So I, those, you know, those guys specifically need to have a preseason, need to have time and to now say, okay, October 30th, go work out. Oh, wait, but then you have to be ready to start playing games December 22nd. You're, you're really putting players at risk for more injury because they don't have time to do the typical preseason and transition in and, and workouts and everything. Not to mention right now, they're not even fully able to have full practices. It's only 10 players max. They don't have full stab. They don't have enough of an opportunity to even do five on fives and things like that and run through their plays. You know, we've seen it in the NFL. It's the same thing. They didn't have a preseason and look what's happening. Now, I don't blame all the injuries on that, but I do think you just put players at a higher risk when you're not giving their bodies time and their minds time to really recover and prepare. So I think from a player standpoint, this doesn't fully make sense. Having a, a December 22nd start is really setting players up for burnout, for injuries, for mental wear and, and drain, and for the fact that you have different categories. So you have the category of players that play deep into the season, into the playoffs, into winning a championship. They're not expected to turn around quickly. You have players that were not in the restart at all, haven't played a game together, haven't played a game in, you know, in any in, in, any NBA game since February, March, early March, that now they're just going from not playing to just jumping at, back into playing. You have players that are injured. That's another category. Injured players that are coming off of a major injury. Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, John Wall, Bradley Beal, 
You look at some players that had major injuries they're recovering from, they should not be just jumping back into playing either. They need to have a full preseason. They need to have a full transition. So from a player's perspective, guys, if you don't know where I'm leaning towards, I'll tell you, it's a no for me. It's a no. So the hard part is you can't isolate any of these variables. Like the player's side also impacts the schedule, which also impacts the finances. So a player that physically maybe cannot be as prepared to play in December financially might need to play in December. You know, it's not as simple as saying like, oh, I can afford to start later. So it's fine. Or I physically could use the time. So it's fine. You know, there's so many aspects. The finances affect the schedule, which affects the players and vice versa. It all goes hand in hand. But I know I've been actively saying I think a January start does make more sense I do understand the league is has their back against the wall in that they're trying to figure out how to make all this work this is this is a new normal we're not used we're not expecting this we're not used to any of this but they are as of now leaning towards in these next few days solidifying when the season will be starting what it will what that will look like it seems like we should get a confirmation of the exact start date within this week because of the fact that the CBA was pushed back to November 6th. So my guess is that negotiations for the CBA, as well as when the season will start, will all be wrapping up within the next week. I mean, it's the third, I think, over the next few days, to be honest. But this week is what I'm saying. We should probably be getting some confirmation on the schedule because they also have to tell players and coaches and staff. That's a big part of this as well. Not only are is time ticking and are they running out of time in terms of the finances and the scheduling and the players, but they have to give people something concrete of, okay, we're starting December 22nd, December 1st is when preseason starts. The draft will be November, whatever date they come up with and solidifying exactly which days we will be expecting specific aspects. You know, when does free agency and what is, what is the CBA going to look like for this year? You know, the, the contracts, how does this impact contracts? What are the implications on the draft? So many pieces that go into this. So I think we're going to get a definite answer within this next week. The NBA is going to push for December 22nd at the end of the day. They're, they're going to have to. The only reason I see them not is if the Players Association continues to actively advocate for the fact that they're not comfortable playing that soon to the point that they're nearly boycotting in a sense, and putting their foot down like, no, we can't do this. But I think that because finances is such a big part of this, and that also not only impacts the league, but the players as well, there's a, there's a lot at stake here. It's similar to the NBA restart, actually. When the NBA restart conversation first came up, there were players that were saying, you know, financially, I don't need, I don't need to play because I'm fine. But then there were also a number of players that were saying, I might be fine, but my teammate isn't. And my teammate really needs this financial, you know, boost from playing. So because of that, I'm in, I want to play. So you do have the selflessness of players realizing it's not just about them. And there are players, coaches, staff members who are living paycheck to paycheck that they need to play for and need to play to make sure that they are taken care of and being able to provide for themselves and for their families. So I think we're going to see December 22nd. I just, my prediction and I'm definitely interested to know yours as well. So please let me know. My prediction, the league starts December 22nd. 
I don't think some of the the superstars are going to be playing December 22nd. I think it's going to be similar to what we've seen in October and November games in the past, where those first few weeks, you might get a quarter, maybe a superstar plays a quarter of a game, but I don't think that we're going to see a full-blown roster and players fully a go until still around mid-January, regardless of when the season starts. So I think even for players that are coming back from injury, that we're not going to see them fully given the green light. They might still be on, you know, load management and, and monitoring their minutes and everything. So I look at someone like John Wall and Bradley Beal, although they might be playing December 2nd, I don't see them fully 100% with no strings, no restraints playing until mid-January. That is my prediction on how this makes the most sense and how the league is probably going to do things if I had to guess. So let me know what you think on Twitter at Renee P. Wash um, and at Locked on Wizards. Let me know what your thoughts are on the NBA. And honestly, we're going to continue to get into what this means for the Wizards in looking at how much this is going to impact their offseason, which we know they need to have a big offseason and preparing to have a better season next year to be a playoff team to get over that hump. What does this all mean for the Wizards? So we're going to continue to get into those details and more. So hit that subscribe button. Have a great rest of your day. Make sure you have had a chance to go out and vote and enjoy, be safe. And I look forward to seeing you guys back for more here on Locked on Wizards as we continue to dive into all the details around these nuts and bolts of what is going to happen for next season, for the team, the offseason, what that's going to look like once we finally know, and much, much more. So I thank you guys for tuning in. I'm your host, Renee Washington. Have a great rest of your day, and I'll see you back here for more on Locked on Wizards. Washington out. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 